Drama on One. Sundays at 8pm. rta.ie forward slash drama on one. Drama on one. Santa Claus has been coming to Ireland, as Terry Wogan might have said, since God was a boy. Eamon Kelly and Hugh Leonard, both gone to their reward, recall the ritual and routines associated with Christmas in old God's time. To be small at Christmas long ago and to have three or four aunts in America was great. Uncles weren't all that good, but aunts were the bee's knees for the first few years after going out anyway. I remember a lad of my own age, I was only five or six at the time, getting a watch from his auntie Kate in America. He nearly went out of his nut with excitement, parading up and down the road, the chain dangling across his middle, hoping for people to accost him and ask him the time. And when they did, he'd reach into his waistcoat pocket, produce the watch, and then, with his head to one side, study the dial and call out the hour like a town crier in days gone by. Tis a small thing, they say, that don't amuse a child, and I suppose children were more easily amused then than they are now. At that time, we had to be content with the few purties we'd find in a Christmas stocking, a juice harp, a mouth organ or the like, unless those ants in America put something into the Christmas pastel for us. And it was only a couple of weeks ago, going back to the house where I was raised, as the ants say, and poking outside under the hedge, what did I find but a metal horse? He stood only three or four inches high, and in turning him over, I could see where the soft metal of his hooves was worn away from drawing him over the floor of the kitchen. There were the rings in his side through which the shafts of his carriage went, but the carriage was gone, and all the fine trappings, the goldy buckles of the harness and the plume, dang the bit left but himself, as beautiful as ever glistening in the rain, his head held high, his nostrils wide, and he stepping it out with his mane and his tail as if they were blowing in the breeze. And that little horse brought me back, as the song says, across the years to one Christmas morning long ago, when George the Post brought a parcel into our kitchen, and planking it down, he read out the label, The Kelly Family, Carrageen, Iron Mills, Killarney. That was us all right. And then he read the label at the back, If undelivered, please return to Mrs. Mary Rodden, 3536 Dittmars Boulevard, Queens, Long Island, New York, USA. George the Post had a big carrier at the front of his bike, and as he pushed the bike up the hill towards our house, you could hardly see poor George behind all those American parcels. Postmen earned their money hard that time, and working on Christmas Day too. And besides the horse and the coach and other playthings for the small lads, what else was in that American parcel? Well, something to wear, however small for everyone in the house, a very bright-looking tie for my father. He'd nearly want to be under chloroform before he'd wear it. And maybe a suit of clothes for a fellow like myself. All festivities would be suspended while the clothes were being tried on. Shut out the door there, my mother would say, and don't the child get his death a cold. For the changing would take place in the flag of the fire. You'd get into the suit, that is, if you could survive the smell of camphor. Blessed hour, when you shook out that little coat and trousers, the whiff of camphor would make you dizzy. Even the dog, always in a hurry to examine anything strange, one sniff of that American perfume had knock him back in his tail. 
When the coat was finally buttoned up on me, and the trousers, a bit like a plus fours, strapped below the knees, over long stockings, and buckled shoes with patent leather that you could nearly see yourself in. Then I was told to parade up and down the floor. And this show-off was great, until I began to realize that more of the family were laughing than were giving vent to admiration. So I demanded looking-glass to see what was the cause of all the merriment. And when I saw myself in the glass in that gazebo of a coat, with all the puckers and the pleats and the pockets and the buttons and the baggy trousers, with my two thin kippins the legs sticking down out of it, I said to myself, that what might be the height of fashion in Dittmar's Boulevard would only reduce me to ridiculosity in Carrageen Iron Mills Killarney. The Christmases of my childhood have all fused into one, perhaps because they had the immutability of a ritual. We lived in a two-room cottage to which my father had added a lean-to scullery which fell down if you looked crossways at it. The back room was the kitchen and the other one was always referred to with fitting deference as the room. In our town, even the smallest cottage was divided in two, one part for living in and the other as an ideal, a regret and an aspiration all in one. On only one day in the year, Christmas Day, was a fire lit in the room. The house shone. My father and I would return from nine o'clock mass to discover that the Christmas cards, which until then had been hung on a string over the kitchen fireplace, had discreetly been transferred to the mantelpiece in the front room so that the day's visitors might marvel at their number and diversity. The kitchen press had been stocked with six bottles of stout, a half bottle of powers, and a bottle of port with the viscosity of cough syrup, and so cloyingly sweet that it flavoured your next three meals. The stout was for Mr Quirk next door. On the stroke of noon he would come looming in, his hard hat scraping the lintel. God save all here, he would say. His white walrus moustache was matted with a residual crust of dried yellow froth that was at once a memorial to the bottle of stout he had had yesterday and a celebration of the one he was about to have today. After dinner, and as full as an egg, I went for a walk with my father, down to the harbour past Dillon's Park, so nicknamed after the portly and handsomely bewhiskered Miss Dillon, who kept the sweet shop at its entrance, up Fyker Road and home by Dorky Avenue. And I have always held that were an amnesiac to come suddenly to his senses on Christmas afternoon, he would know instantly what day it was. There is a crisp festiveness in the air itself that is unmistakable. Later came the dreaded part of the day, tea at my grandmother's. She was infinitely malevolent and the size of a haystack. As a cook, she ranked with the great poisoners of history. I once saw a starving dog baring its teeth as it backed away from a plate of her mutton stew. My uncle Sonny would be there too, as urinated as a newt, his dark, soft eyes smouldering at the memory of the days, the months, the years' injustices, real and imagined. In the evening, my Aunt Chris and Uncle John came to play 25s, and it was then that I cleared the last of the day's hurdles, for when the Christmas cake was cut and served, I slipped the hated marzipan into my uncle's pocket when no one was looking. And at bedtime, my father was certain to say, as sure as night had fallen, well, now we're as far away from Christmas as ever we were, to which just as surely my mother would reply in a voice of drama, aye, and God knows if we'll be alive to see another one. There was a steel-bright glint in her eye, however, that said that no matter how many failed to last out the course for another year, she had no intention of being one of their number. Hugh Leonard, and before that, Eamon Kelly, recalling the ghosts and glories of Christmas's past.
Drama on One. Sundays at 8pm. rta.ie forward slash drama on one. Drama on one.